Hey everyone, my name is Preneet Akilla. Uh, I play Gilbert Bopsy on Nancy Drew, and you are listening to the River Heights Buzz podcast. Preneet, thank you very much for taking some time to talk with us. Thank you very much for having me, guys. So uh, I think we speak, I th- speak for the both of us. It's pretty exciting being able to talk with you. It's someone part of the TV show. And, you know, we haven't talked to very many people part of the project. So it's always interesting to hear someone's perspective on it. Yeah, well, I'm glad glad to be that perspective. <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to, we've been meaning to chat for a while now. So I'm just I'm excited to, to be able to uh, finally do this with you both. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Candice, you want to start us off? Sure. Can you give us a little bit of background of how you got into acting and what some of your first projects were? Yeah. Uh, so I, I grew up in uh, in Canada. For those who don't know, it's uh, I grew up in Banff, which is a very touristy spot um, in Canada. It's like where all the Rocky Mountains are, and it's a really beautiful, serene place. And um, and growing up there in Calgary, uh, like throughout high school, I or, and, and even middle school, I, I did lots of uh, musical theater and, and theater camps and things like that. Like I was very much that nerdy uh, theater kid um, in school. But I, I think growing up, uh, especially as a first generation immigrant that I am um, and having uh, very sort of strict South Asian parents, I, I, I don't think I was ever encouraged to, to pursue the arts as a career choice, nor, nor was I, nor did I believe in myself either, honestly. I think uh, it's a giant leap of faith to pursue this as a, as a career, but I did know that I absolutely love performance art, and um, but I was also really good at math and physics, and so when it came time to graduate high school and pick a college, I was like, you know, what, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go for uh, engineering instead, and and so then I um, went to university in Montreal. I studied chemical engineering. While I was doing that on the side, I would I would like do stuff related to the arts. I would join, I would be part of the university a cappella group. I would do a bunch of theater during my summer internships. Whenever I had any time off, I'd make short films with my friends. So it's always sort of balancing both worlds. And um, but uh, but unknowingly through that process, I was putting in my ten thousand hours into the craft without ever sort of knowing. And so so yeah, I was always in love with the art form and. And then eventually, you know, after I graduated the university, I, I worked as an engineer for like a year and a bit. And it was during that time, uh, I had this epiphany where I was just like, you know, there's only one chance I have really to pursue this. It'd be when I'm young and when I have a whole world ahead of me. And, and so I should take that risk and take a leap of faith. And so I, so I sort of quit my job. And, uh, and yeah, that's how it all kind of started. Awesome. Awesome. I think that was an excellent decision, really kind of betting on yourself. And, and that, that takes a lot of bravery. God, it was hard. <laughs> Incredibly hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did a little research into uh, some of your other projects, and it looks like you have done some producing. Um, do you find that as interesting as acting, or how do, how does the two compare? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I think both. Uh, I think acting certainly is my first love. I mean, producing gives me the ability to make the kind of stuff that I want to see. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we all know that you know, the screen and stage, it lacks representation and diversity, you know, uh, BIPOC actors are, are rarely represented 
on screen properly, that is. I mean, certainly things are improving, but we're still very much represented as stereotypes, you know, um, particularly when most of the stuff that we do is watched by middle America, you know, they're not necessarily interested in nuanced representation of, of black and brown people. I mean, I don't think they really care, nor do the car companies that buy ad space, you know, it's mm -hmm. a very capitalistic sort of world that we live in. And that's just the reality. And, and so instead of, you know, I just got tired of, um, being on diversity and representation panels and talking about this stuff and, and, it felt like I was just talking about it in an echo chamber and, and nothing was actually being done about it. And so producing gives me the the control that I don't have as an actor, which is to be able to collaborate with people uh, that are much smarter than I am, the ability to hire more talented BIPOC creatives and to give them the spotlight to do their best work and also write complex and nuanced uh, BIPOC protagonists, and make them the center of the story. So producing gives me the ability to do that. And uh, it also actually kind of weirdly fits in with my engineering brain. Like, you know, I like numbers. I like spreadsheets. I like being the person that does the budgeting for projects. Like I like uh, project management, I guess, is, is effectively what producing is. And so my, my sort of natural skill set lends itself to to it. Um, and so, yeah, I love both. Acting is always going to be first for me, but um, producing gives me, gives me a chance to... Uh, to have that level of creative control that, that you don't typically get as an actor. Right. Yeah. That was actually going to be one of my questions about what are your, what's your take on seeing more like TV shows and movies and things that have more of that diverse cast? Yeah. I mean, I think, listen, it's, it's, it's much better than it used to be. Um, I think progress is always good. I think, um, you know, I can't sit here and, and complain when things used to be so bad, <laughs> you know, um, so, you know, it's incremental, but I, I do think that, you know, a lot of representation is still very sort of one dimensional, you know, the one thing I liked about something like a Nancy Drew is that Gil and, and Amanda didn't have to be, uh, South Asian at all. Um, they could have been any ethnicity. The producers went out of their way to, to choose Adil and I, when they really didn't have to, they had no incentive to. So that's a win, right? Like to be able to play established IP, like characters that are that are in sort of Nancy Drew lore that are supposed to be white, but are not. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you know, the characters never spoke about their ethnicity. And look, you can correct, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't recall ever like speaking about being South Asian on the show ever, you know? Um, and I think that's a win because what I find is, yes, sure, diversity and representation is there, but when the entire storyline still revolves around your ethnicity, that's when it's a problem, you know, um, Caucasian actors and, and uh, Caucasian characters never have to talk about being white, right? They're just, there's people, right. right? And they walk around the world with their own sort of <laughs> complex issues, just like we do, you know, we're not no different. Um, yet, for whatever reason, when you have a BIPOC character, half of their storyline, or even more than that, typically revolves around their skin color in some way or, or another, you know, whether it's a it's their immigrant struggle or whether it's their dad owning a convenience store and how that's hard on them or whether it's like my parents are forcing me to get an arranged marriage, you know, even though arranged marriage hasn't, hasn't happened in like, you know, 75 years. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's very, it feels very sort of one dimensional in that sense. So, so, you know, things like Nancy Drew, I, I find those to be proper representation, right? Where you start with making them interesting characters first 
And then if you want to layer in some culturally specific stuff, great. But but if they're not if they're not interesting characters to begin with, and all they are are, are archetypes of this is the brown person, this is the black person, this is the Chinese person, and this is the indigenous person. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. where I have, I have an issue with it. You know, but we're getting better. So, uh, do you hope in the future at some point to throw your hat in the ring on the directing side of projects? Yeah, I'm working on that right now. Um, I've directed, I'm still building out my director's career. Like I've, I've directed like two shorts. Um, I'm writing and directing a, a third one now. Um, I, uh, it's a bit of a journey to get into the Directors Guild of America, Directors Guild of Canada, but, but certainly um, the show that I'm a regular on right now, um, I'm certainly working towards directing on future seasons. And uh, it's the one show that I know I can direct only because I've been on it for a few seasons now. But yeah, I'd love to. That'd be amazing. Yeah. And I think it helps too, because some of the, we've also talked, well, I have talked with Larry Tang and Amanda Rowe, a couple of the directors from the Nancy Drew show. And they Mm -hmm. were saying that, especially if with Scott Wolf, who's Carson Drew in the show, he directed some episodes. So I think it helps, correct me if I'm wrong, but especially if a project that you've been working on for a while, you know, the cast, you know, the crew, you know, kind of like how things work in a way. And then that helps with if you do want to do the directing side of it. Yes. Yeah. It makes the, it's a bit more of a well-oiled machine. I mean, you, you, you sort of know the beats of the story as well, because part of TV directing also is it's one of those things that I'd be, and you know, Larry and Amanda are incredible um, big role models for me for sure. But, but I think, I think it's uh, TV directing is such a different beast, you know, because you're not necessarily in service of your vision entirely. I think you have to also serve the, the showrunner's vision, you know, and I think, Scott and Amanda and Larry, they all did such a good job of serving Melissa and, I'm um, oh, sorry, Melinda and Noga's vision. And I think that's sort of the key with, with TV shows in general. Um, it's usually not the director's baby. It's usually the, the show creator's baby. And so you have to sort of do service to that and bring your own uniqueness. And, and I think that's part of the learning curve. And I've been lucky. I've been lucky to shadow on sets. Um, I was actually able to shadow Nancy Drew set. Melinda and Noga were very, very kind to me. They didn't have to uh, allow me to do that at all, but they actually allowed me to shadow on set. Um, and so, yeah, I hope to hope to certainly do that in the future. Sounds good. So you mentioned a little bit about um, IP and established characters that are already kind of in the entertainment world. Do you find it more difficult to... Um, step into the role of a character that already has some kind of history with people or is it easier to do like a character straight from the ground up kind of potentially making it your own part that I'm a very anxious person so so uh, (laughs) if I just wanted to avoid anxiety I would start from scratch just because you know uh, there wouldn't be a giant fan base that that uh, would be upset if I screwed everything up so, and also starting this character from scratch is just gives you that full ownership of something, you know, but I think um, there's something also cool about having just an inbuilt sort of audience base or something, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, as much pressure as that is, it's also sort of a, 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 an exciting challenge that I, that I uh, want to take on as an actor as well, you know, um, it honestly depends on where I'm at mentally, you know, um, I think for something like Gil and, and Amanda, like I, those characters, even though they exist in lore, I, I don't think it's like, um, you know, it's not so at the forefront of people's brains, luckily. So it's one of those things where we've had, you know, an entire almost century to change and, and update the characters. And, and it's not like, um, 
people were so so attached to what these characters were whereas something like i don't know like hunger games or whatever you know like people are so uh deeply ingrained the books are so deeply ingrained in people now pop culture wise like and so i'm sure even the actors that do something like that um the pressure that comes with that is, is so much different than than, than what i've had to deal with but they all have their, their their challenges but i would say i prefer you know starting and, and developing a character from, from the ground up yeah that makes sense yeah um, so when it comes to the Nancy Drew TV show, it really took a different direction, I think, than most of the fans thought it was going to, as far as being a lot of supernatural, almost sci-fi kind of feeling. Are you um, interested in more products like that or projects like that? Or would you be more into like the dramatic or maybe even comedic projects? I am a blank canvas. I'm open to anything as long as it's well-written and uh, well-made, you know? Um, that's the kind of stuff that I tend towards is less supernatural and more, um, you know, I, I would say more sci-fi and, and fantasy, personally speaking, um, though there are supernaturals in both in a sense. Um, but, but for me, it's all, it's all about the script, right? It's all about the characters. Um, I'm all about the story, you know, um, at the end of the day, I think, um, anything that has a well-defined arc and that has rootable characters and uh is, is well made with a great group of people that's um, i'm i'm all for it you know i don't think i have a um particular preference though i will say weirdly enough like the stuff that i've done uh to start off in career with it's all been a, a lot of supernatural um mm -hmm. and i certainly didn't plan it that way i think that's just how it is as a young actor you don't have much of a choice really like whatever you get from your auditions is what you do um but but I wouldn't change a thing. I think I think all of those shows, all of those supernatural shows, taught me taught me so much that I still use to this day. So, right. Uh, do you keep in touch with any of the Nancy Drew cast at all? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, Leah and Kennedy and um, Madison. I don't talk to so much, but but uh, and Tunji's in London, so it's it's hard to stay in touch uh, as much. But like I do. Like I would say I would say Kennedy and Leah. I talk to a lot. Um, Leah sort of is in and out of Vancouver. I'm in and out of LA and Vancouver as well. And so we, we both connect whenever we get a chance. And uh, I still stay in touch with my twin sister, Adila, as well. And I was actually went to dinner with her last night. So yeah, and, and they're wonderful. You know, they, um, they really welcomed us in and um, were so, so kind. And so I, 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 I owe them a debt of gratitude because it can be hard stepping into that world. Um, where everybody's sort of best friends with each other, each other already. And uh, they really welcomed us with open arms and made us feel like part of the family. And so, um, yeah, yeah, we, we do stay in touch. We're all, there's a group chat, you know, not an anti Drew group chat, but there's a, there's like an actor's group chat that I'm on with, with Leah and uh, Kennedy and I are, are always sort of talking here and there. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, prior to, or like after you had booked the role for Gil, Nancy Drew had you heard of Nancy Drew or even the Bobsy twins oh yeah 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 I'm I wouldn't say I was like a big big fan but like of course it was it was part of my vernacular it was part of my family history as well like every uh all my family in India if you look at their bookshelf there's a bunch of Nancy Drew books you know um my grandma had them um I had them growing up when I was a kid um it's weird because my grandma knew who the Bobsy twins were 
And, you know, my grandma lives in India. Like, she has no sort of attachment to anything that I do here necessarily. She knows that I'm an actor, but, like, you know, uh, she might not necessarily understand a lot of the projects that I do. But, like, what's crazy is, like, when I told her that I got this role, she knew what the role was right away, which is incredible and, and kind of tripped my brain out a little bit because I was just like, oh, this woman in her, like, you know, 80s is, you know, in the middle of nowhere in India in this village. Like, she's like, you know, uh, she knows who the Bobsy twins are. And so that that was a bit of a proud moment, you know, because when she was a little girl, she grew up reading the books, um, never thinking that her grandson would, would play that character on, on television before, you know. I don't think that, that concept even entered her brain. So um, so that was a really cool moment getting to getting to do that. And and then she sent me a screenshot actually of uh, she couldn't watch the CW on her TV or whatever, so she like uh, I may or may not have helped her torrent an episode. Um, don't don't tell anybody that, but that's fine. Even this goes out on the camera. But uh, she uh, she like took a picture of, of like of me on on the TV and she couldn't send it to me, and um, that was a cool moment. I know there's questions out about that, but anyways, that, that was uh, yeah yeah. So yeah, Nancy Drew, big fan. <laughs> cool. So I'm sure that filming. Um those are long days. Could you kind of maybe walk us through like your, one of your average shooting days for one of the episodes of Nancy Drew? Yeah. I'm trying to think back. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, well, you have your you typically work 12 hours, right? Like that's the standard. Um, otherwise you pay the crew overtime and you don't want to do that necessarily. Um, cause there's only so much money to go around. And, um, uh, and so, yeah, typically, you know, my days were 12 hour days. Um, some days you lock about you know the entire day. Some days you only work for five hours and go home, kind of thing. Um, I know for this particular show, like there was a lot of different sort of um, stunts involved, you know, and um, and a lot of sort of intricate choreography. You know, whether it's the the bus catching on fire from the first episode, to um, you know, to to the slow motion walks with the, with the boys, you know, that ridiculously funny episode not as easy as it looked at all i think you know we all had a certain we have to walk a certain way and the, and the fan has to blow a certain way so that took up the time it, so so a lot of different sort of scenes required uh, a few more hours than, than needed um and i think also uh in general the show moves pretty fast because larry and, and people like amanda and even the showrunners down they demand a certain level of professionalism and excellence and if you're not on it that they're not happy about that and so um everybody sort of shows up ready to go and and everybody sort of executes at a high level and, and the show sort of moves. Um, and we also have such a great crew. Um, and so unlike other shows that have been on, this one felt very sort of easy in that sense. It like, you know, it kind of flew by very, very quickly. But yeah, typically like 12 to 14 hours is, is what you would expect from a, from a work day. But some of those days would start at like 4 p.m. and go till, you know, 2, 3 a.m. And so there, there were some weeks where my sleep schedule was completely off. Um, so yeah, but yeah, you guys are making me reminisce. I miss it. It's, it's um, I'm sad that it got canceled, uh, you know, so fast. But but uh, yeah, because I was supposed to be in. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out with my schedule, but I was supposed to be in in season three, um, and then uh, because of my other show, I couldn't do season three anymore. Yeah, uh, and so that 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 made me sad because I, I was really looking forward to to reuniting with uh, with the cast and crew. Right. Can you tell us about maybe 
I mean, we understand if there's information you can't tell us, but can you give us any kind of hints or anything about future projects that you're a part of? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm just, I've signed an NDA for one of them. I can't talk about that, but not, hopefully we'll be able to for one of them. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, right now I, I'm, I, I did two, I've shot a feature film. Um, it's called Jersey Boy. It's, it's sort of a, yeah, it's a lower budget indie feature. Um, I don't know if you both, have you seen Moonlight at all? Mm -hmm. Moonlight? So it's kind of like Moonlight. It's structured like that, but it's about a young, sick uh, Punjabi boy who um, grows up in New Jersey post 9-11 and loses his father to a hate crime. And, and so it's, it's sort of, it's about him kind of leaving his religion and family and uh, eventually when he grows up sort of coming back to his hometown and reconnecting with, with, with both of them, um, you know, sort of set today. So all the way from 9-11 until today. And, and so, uh, I got to play the lead in that, and that should be out on the festival circuit next year. Hopefully, we just finished filming, and then um, I'm currently going to be recurring on a on a TV show that I can't talk about yet. And then uh, there's another movie that I'm filming in the new year that I can't talk about yet. But um, suffice to say, I think after the strike, there's some there's some backlog of certain projects that I couldn't do, but now now it's all happening. So uh, when when uh, when I'm able to, I'll definitely come back and talk about it with you guys. Awesome. Um, when you were on Nancy Drew, do you wish that you had more scenes with uh, certain actors at all? Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I had great scene partners, of course, but yeah, for sure. Like I, I wish I worked with uh, all of the main cast a bit more. I, I love. I, I think uh, Alex is brilliant on the show. I think Ace is such a great character. I wish there were some more fun scenes with just Gil and Ace. You know. Um, there's sort of that yin and yang as well because Gil can be such a uh, serious like you know has no fun at all kind of character and, and then there's Alex that doesn't take himself seriously at all uh, I keep saying Alex but Ace you know and so I I, uh, I would love to see that sort of you know them in action on something that'd be funny and yeah I think in general just like sort of working with the Drew crew and just like solving mysteries and stuff and seeing that world expand a bit more and um yeah, I'd love to work. I'd love to work with Scott as well. You know, I'm a big fan of his work, and um, yeah, yeah. Um, do you prefer day shoots or night shoots? Ooh, day, day shoots. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Night shoots screw up everything. Yeah, they they just like they they throw everything out of rhythm, and people are groggy and tired, and it's just not. I don't find them personally to be safe because people don't drive home at three and four a.m. after they're done a hard day's work and. Yeah, it's never never fun. Like day shoots are always the way to go, in my opinion. But yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you have any advice for anyone looking to get into the entertainment field in any capacity? Yeah, I think uh, my my advice would be um, make sure that you really love it. It sounds kind of uh, simple to say, but but like. This profession only um, is only sort of uh, doable if uh, if you are in a weird way delusional enough to believe that you want to do this. You know, it's a it, it's a very hard industry, um, and so you really really have to be in love with uh, the craft um, of performing to to sort of uh, withstand the the ups and downs of it. You know, because it can be incredibly volatile. And, uh, you know, nothing is guaranteed. 
but but if you really love it, you'll put in the work and and um, you know you, you'll uh, you'll sort of understand that a lot of it is out of your control. And then my other piece of advice would be that that because so much of the, is out, so much of it is out of one's control, uh, don't quit your day job, right? Like always have a side gig, always have something that gives you sort of flexible income on the side until you start booking work consistently where you, you have no choice but to quit your, your day job. Um, because the big secret that nobody ever talks about is, is success in this industry is also dependent on where you come from. You know, people with more generational wealth uh, don't have to worry about their next meal or, or how they're going to pay rent or anything. And so all they can do is focus on auditioning, you know, and what a luxury that is. You know, you can walk into an audition room and not worry about how, or sort of have that desperation that like, I have to get this role. Otherwise I'm, I'm screwed. I don't know how to pay rent, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily for some, like for me, and I'll be transparent about it, like I had savings in my bank account, you know, because of all the jobs that I worked. And so I had the luxury to be like, you know what, I'm going to quit. And I'm going to focus on acting only for at least two years. Like I don't have to worry about paying rent for two years. Um, and that just gives you so much weight off your shoulders. And, and so you're able to just relax and, and sort of pursue it wholeheartedly without, without sort of having those daily stresses. Mm-hmm. And so it is a very um, privileged and, and classist industry in that sense. You know, um, you look at some of the biggest actors in the world and then just trace back to their families and trace back to what schools they went to. Um, a lot of them are just really rich, <laughs> like, you know, uh, they're able to afford places like Juilliard and Tisch. And I think it's important that when younger actors are, are asking those questions um, and comparing themselves to other people, that they don't do that. Because what I'm here to tell you is that, yeah, it's it's um, it's, a, it's a bit of a rigged game in that sense. And so that's why it's important to sort of stay grounded, have that flexible side gig, keep sort of making films with your friends and like, self-submit to like backstage.com and like, you know, like, like there's so many uh, websites where you can, or even Facebook or Instagram, whatever, like there's so many casting calls. Like if you really love it, like do it, right. Like do, mm-hmm. do student films, uh, do your local theater, like sort of keep acting and build up your resume and credits. And eventually when you're ready, get, get your agent, your film and TV agent. Um, but yeah, like, um, I think there's certain realities when it comes to pursuing this this field that people don't talk about, and so I do want to make mention of that because I think uh, it's not enough to just follow your dreams. I don't believe in that necessarily. I think it's, you have to have some sort of strategy, and um, and so yeah, that, that's my advice. Um, I have a couple more questions. Yeah. Um, do you have any superstitions at all, or do you you know have to do any preparation work to get ready for a role? Yeah, preparation-wise, I'm I'm just a um, I I do a lot of prep. I can be a bit of a psychopath when it comes to prep. It, it's a lot of it is just me, honestly, just talking to myself. Like, and people think I'm crazy. Like, people I'm out and like going for a run or a grocery shop or whatever it is. Like, I'm uh, especially if it's prepping for a role. Like, there's a lot of just voice notes and talking to myself and and just reading the script over and over and over and over and over again. Um, lots of different notes of a character arc and like where I am in the scene and all that stuff. Um, a lot of it's just like the script, right? Like I, I, I just studied the script like, like a madman. And um, so that prep, it's sort of very clinical for me. Um, superstition wise, um, I have this weird one where like, uh, I, cause I believe in karma. And so whenever I have some sort of bad thought or like I think ill of somebody or like, or like, I, I don't know if something, some, some sort of bad thought, I, I, like, you know, and we all have those moments. like. I, I have to like sort of, uh, I have to like sort of do this 
almost like I'm kind of like slapping myself in a way. It's so it's so weird, but like it's something that I grew up, especially in the Hindu culture and stuff. Like uh, when you do pray, sometimes you do ask God to forgive you for your sins, and so you sort of do this, you know. And maybe that's where it comes from. But uh, but I do that to avoid that karma. As soon as it enters, I'm just like, no, wait, you know what? No, I shouldn't do that. There's a more mature way to handle this. Maybe I, you know, stop that. And so I guess that's my only sort of superstition but i don't even i don't know if that is i don't know if that counts as superstition but you know um yeah yeah but i'm just an over i'm also just a serial sort of very over like i worry a lot and i'm an overthinker and so i i do bet have a bit of that that issue like i'm constantly my brain doesn't ever shut off so it's always like it's always on i understand always. that yeah yeah <laughs> uh, final question for me it's a bit of a fun one yeah <laughs> If you had a mystery to solve and you had to pick one member from the Drew crew to help you solve it, who would you pick? But you cannot pick Nancy. Oh, shoot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That'd be too obvious of an answer. That's an easy answer. I think everybody would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll take a question. Uh, one person, right? I can't pick multiple. I have to pick one. You know what? I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Ace. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ace. We're not, we wouldn't solve it. We would just have a, a lot of fun. And that's all that matters. <laughs> fun with my friends. Just about the friends we made along the way. Who cares about the mystery? Just, you know, <laughs> we would definitely not solve it. That's for sure. But, you know. <laughs> Do you think that Gil will put his beef with Ace aside? Well, I think, I feel like he has to at that point. I feel like, <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing with Gil. He's, he's like, the reason he acts that way is because he's really, he's like, a, he's very afraid. Like, he's actually very, um, that 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 thing's a whole you know it's a bravado thing it's mm -hmm. not an action it's, he's not he's actually uh incredibly um, afraid <laughs> and uh and scared and he's a scaredy cat and i think and i think that's why i create some of those scenes because i feel like eventually if you actually sort of follow the storyline i think a lot of it would be brought out and uh, a lot of that stuff would be would have been brought out so yeah okay makes sense yeah yeah Okay, uh, I think that's everything we have for you. Um, can you tell all of our listeners where they could connect with you online? Yeah, uh, so I think you can just, I think you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter um, at Pranita Killa. Um, yeah, that's sort of the main two that I use. Uh, not really on TikTok, even though people have been telling me to do that, but I, it's been hard for me. I, I haven't been able to get on that bandwagon yet. But yeah, I would say Instagram and Twitter are, or where you can find all sort of my professional sort of updates um, if you want to follow me. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you once again for taking some time and chatting with us and letting us pick your brain a little bit. No, thank you guys so much. Thank you for having me. This was fun. We appreciate it.